Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning. How are we this morning? Going well? Very good. Hey, it's so exciting to see what God is doing in the hearts uh, of our young people at Gateway. How good was it to hear Melody's story this morning, growing up in this place, hearing God's heart for mission. He's now uh, you know, taking the good news of Jesus to, uh, to, to many places where uh, they haven't heard about Jesus, the church isn't uh, thriving, and uh, disciples are being made, and uh, the good news is transforming uh, the, the lives of many. Here uh, back at home, a group of our young adults just went on a mission trip to Chinchilla a couple of weeks ago and got to, to lead a lady to the Lord who brought a whole family back to church the next day, just believing for generational change uh, to happen in that family and throughout uh, that region. You know, this morning uh, we had James up here, our worship pastor from our Ormo campus, leading us in worship. You know, I remember when James was born, Susan made his mother a chicken casserole. I, uh, I hope it was good. Uh, but I just loved watching him, you know, grow up in that family and then become part of our church family here and just seeing, you know, the, 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 the church be built and uh, lives being changed by the gospels. This morning, we're going to finish uh, singing a song uh, written by a 19-year-old uh, young lady who's an up-and-coming uh, worship leader uh, down at our Ormo campus. A great song just full of biblical truth. It's going to be a great song for us to declare together. A couple of weeks ago, we baptised a whole bunch of young adults uh, here in our 6pm service. And last weekend, our city campus had a retreat out on a farm. It doesn't look like the city at all, but they baptised seven young adults in that creek, just putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Many of them never grown up in the church as a young person. And the recurring theme in their testimony testimonies was, I've tasted what the world has to offer, and it's not that good. I've now tasted what Jesus has to offer, and it's so much better. I'm all in. Can I just encourage you, God is at work. Yeah, come on, give him a hand. God is good. God is at work in the, uh, the, the hearts and the lives of our young people across all of our campuses. I'd really ask you to, to, uh, to pray uh, for me over the next couple of weeks in my other role with Queensland Baptist. I'm about to start a tour uh, around all of the regions, 12 regions around Queensland, gathering all the churches and pastors together in that area. And uh, we've got some new uh, visions, some new uh, ways of, of churches raising up the next generation of young emerging leaders in their church. And I'm just praying that churches right across our state uh, will get on board with that and we will see generational change uh, across Queensland. So can I encourage you uh, over the next two weeks, if you think about it, just to pray uh, for me, pray for our uh, churches right across uh, Queensland as a kind of hop from region to region. Hey, I'm praying that God will move in our hearts this morning. I'm praying as we open God's Word that God will uh, challenge, encourage, 
and convict. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you. We do thank you. We give you praise for what you're doing in the young generation at Gateway. And we do ask for that you would raise up a mighty army of young people across our state who will follow you, will be fully devoted to you, who will share your good news with courage and passion. And we will see gospel transformation in communities right across the state of Queensland. And God, today here in this room, God, thank you that you're present with us. Pray that as we open your word, you would speak to us. God, where we need encouragement today, encourage us. Where we need to be, be challenged today about the paths we're walking down, God, would you, would you get us walking down your path of wisdom today? God, would you pour out a blessing on families today? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we started a new series last week called Our House. Our, uh, our heart behind this series is that we want to help every family in whatever stage your family is at, whatever state your family is in, to actually build healthy relationships, to actually see God at work in your house, in those, the, the, the lives and the hearts and the minds of those closest to you. So today, I, I'm going to give some general principles that's for every person, whether you're a mum, dad, grandparent, aunt, uncle, uh, brother, sister, whatever role you play in a family. Right in the middle, I'm going to talk just for a few moments to particularly parents with school-age kids. And then at the end, I think there's a challenge from Scripture about all of us and seeing, you know, God uh, move uh, in our families, bringing healing and restoration where there might be brokenness that'll be for all of us no matter what stage we're at in our family or what state our family is in, okay? Is that all right? We go on that journey together. All right, our house, who here has discovered that uh, building a house is hard work? Put your hand up if you've discovered that at some stage. You know, building a house is a hard work. My dad was a builder. My grandfather was a builder. I watched both of them work very hard throughout their lives. And uh, from the age of four or five, I just wanted to be a part of it. I remember begging my dad to go to work with him on the building site. And when I was six, he finally let me go to work with him. And I would work all day cleaning out footing stacking bricks, sweeping up, doing whatever I was able to do for $2 an hour. That rate didn't go up until I was 14. I'd work all day, you know, for, for $2 an hour, but the sweetener was at nine o'clock at morning tea time when I'd normally just be going to school, dad would buy me one litre of Coke and a bag of hot chips for morning tea. I thought that was brilliant. And uh, my dad did work very hard, but he didn't work too hard on his diet. Uh, when, when I was 15, I didn't really like the hard work of building anymore, but I really wanted the cash. And my rate had gone up a little bit. And so I persevered through the pain of hard work to get the reward at the end of the day. When I was 18 and I finished school, I didn't want to do any more study. And so I went surfing for a week and then I, all my money ran out. And so, and then the, the next day I started working with my dad. And I remember it was 35 degrees, it was December, and I am uh, pouring 150 
50 cubic metres of concrete for the slab of a new Bible college uh, auditorium. And I remember stomping around in gumboots in concrete, just sweating my life away. And all of these lazy Bible college students were walking past and were just stopping and, 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 and watching what we were doing. And then after a few minutes, the principal of the Bible college walked past, who happened to be my pastor when I was, when I was very young. And as I'm standing there in the concrete in my gumboots and just sweat pouring off me as I'm working hard, I remembered a conversation that I'd had with my parents about my pastor, who's now the principal. I remember when I was seven or eight, getting in the car after church and saying to mum and dad, what does Mr. Farmer do for a job? Who is our pastor? And mum said, well, he's the pastor of the church. And I said, I know that's what he does on Sundays, but what does he do for the rest of the week? And quick as a flash, my dad said, well, that's a really good question, actually. (laughs) And he got a big jab in the ribs from my mum. And I'm standing there, tromping around in concrete, in gumboots with sweat, just pouring off me. I'm thinking... I could go to Bible college and be one of these lazy Bible college students for three years. And then as long as I turn up to church on Sunday, no one has a jolly clue what I do for the rest of the week. This sounds like the job for me. And I've been doing it ever since. (laughs) Because building houses is hard work. Building houses is hard work. I want to read a song today that's actually written by a great builder who worked really hard. He was a pretty smart fella. Says he was the smartest guy in the Bible. I'm not 100%, you know, the Bible says he's the smartest guy in the world. I'm not 100% convinced of that because he had 700 wives and 300 girlfriends, which sounds like a nightmare to me. But apparently he was a really smart guy and he was a really good builder and he worked really hard. His name's Solomon. Solomon built God's house. He didn't build just any old house. He built God's house. And it was an incredible house. And he worked really hard. In fact, 150,000 people worked really hard. And they worked for seven and a half years. And it cost them hundreds of millions of dollars in today's economy. It's full of gold and silver and marble and the best timber of the area. It was an incredible house and they worked really hard to build this house. And at the end, there was an incredible reward. We hear the stories in the scriptures when they opened the doors of the temple and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and they were just in awe of God as he came and lived with them in their house. There was a great reward for their hard work. And when Solomon was building the temple, you can read about it in the Old Testament, there was a very, very detailed plan. There was a plan that God had actually given his father David to follow. This is the house I want. This is the plan I want you to follow. And they followed it. Solomon followed it brilliantly. Built an incredible house like nothing the world had ever seen. But sadly, when it it came to building a family, Solomon threw the book out the window. He actually failed to follow 
God's plans. Solomon's son, who became king after him, acted unwisely. And the nation was split in two. And actually was never reunited again. There's a whole lot of mess that followed on from Solomon's family line because he didn't follow God's plan. You see, great families don't happen by accident. Godly families don't happen by accident. Great families happen when we follow God's plan. Godly families happen when we follow God's plan. One of the other things that Solomon did was he wrote a couple of songs We're going to read one of them today. And right in the middle of the Bible, so open up your Bible, Psalm 127. And it's a bit of an odd song when you stop and think about it. It's actually a song about building. It's a song about hard work. And it's a song about families. It's sort of an odd combination. But I believe today it can encourage us about the way God wants to build godly families through us. And we're not sure whether he wrote this song at the beginning of his life and failed to follow his own wisdom uh, given to him by God, but he wrote it down at the end of his life, or whether he wrote it at the end of his life and he's kind of looking back in regret at some of the mistakes that he's made. what, What I do know is that there is truth in this song. There's truth that can help us build godly families. And today, I pray that we would learn from some of Solomon's wisdom and some of Solomon's mistakes. And I hope that you maybe might learn from some wisdom that I've found in life and also from some of my mistakes today. But let's read it together, Psalm 127. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. There's a gear change here in the song. Remember, there's one song. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, a children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Starts by saying, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Who'd love to get to the end of this year and look back at all the hard work you've done this year and say it was all in vain? You know, even worse, who'd like to get to the end of their lives and a life of hard work and look back and go, it was all in vain. None of us want to do that. You know, we want to actually work hard at something that's meaningful. You know, we're we're willing to persevere through some pain if there's going to be some reward, you know, here on earth or in the world to come. We we don't want to live a life of regret. We don't want a life that we look back and say it was all in vain. And God doesn't want that for us either. And so he gives Solomon a song to sing about it. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders are wasting their time. They're wasting their time. I'm not sure if it hit number one in the charts. I'm not sure what tune went with it, but there is truth in it. Now, God is not saying we shouldn't work hard. 
We should work hard. But what he's saying is, unless we follow the master builder's plan for our lives, it'll amount to nothing. It'll be in vain. But if we follow God's plans, if we actually work hard at following God's plans, our hard work will never be in vain and there will be a reward. I want us to remember this today. We receive the greatest rewards when we work hard at what matters the most to God. We receive the greatest rewards in life when we work hard at what matters most to God, the author and the perfecter of life. So how are we going to do that? I'm going to get fairly practical today. hope that's all right. Firstly, if we're going to work hard to receive the greatest rewards because we're working hard at what matters most to God, firstly, you've got to prioritise your time according to God's priorities. Verse 2 says this, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Simply saying, don't spend all your time working and have no energy left for what is most important to God. God knows what you need. You can trust him to provide. You know, you can trust him to provide for food to eat, for designer jeans to wear, you know, for two cars in your garage and a big screen on your wall and a jet ski out the front. That's kind of like a joke, but it's not very funny in our culture because we actually think that maybe that's what God means. But Jesus says it like this. He says, don't worry about you know, what you'll wear. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Your Father knows what you need. But then he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you as well. He says, prioritize what's important to the king. Put, put God's priorities first. And, and Jesus, you know, later on, he teaches us what is most important to God. When he's asked, you know, what are the most important commands in all of Scripture? Matthew 22, he says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the, the next is, is very, very similar. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying you want to seek first the kingdom. You want to put God's priorities first in your life. You want to spend your time in God's priorities then work hard on your relationship with God and spend time with those that God has put close around you and develop great relationships with those that God has placed closest to you. If you want to build a godly family, you need to prioritise time with your family. I just want to circle back to something I said right at the start. I just want to assure you today that I and all the pastors of this church do work on other days besides Sunday, just in case you're a little bit worried. I remember 13 and a half years ago when I became the senior pastor here at Gateway. I was on team and then uh, for four years and I became senior pastor and I was a bit, I was young, I was a little insecure, I was still trying to prove myself, make people think that I could do this, and I was a big deal. 
I worked really hard. I kind of did what it says not to do in verse 2. I rose early and I toiled late and I had nothing left for my family. I'll never forget six or 12 months into it, Joey, our youngest son, was seven years old at the time. They were in the backyard and there's tears in his eyes. And he says, Dad, I hate you being senior pastor. You never have time to play footy with me anymore. I looked at his tears and I heard his heart and it was a moment of repentance for me in my backyard. I realised I got my priorities wrong. And if I kept going down that path, I was going to lose my family. And I decided in that moment I'd rather lose my job than lose my family. I decided I wasn't going to let anybody or anything steal time from my family that I'd locked in in the future. I didn't want to look back in regret and say it was all in vain. It was all for nothing. And so I changed my practices. I changed my priorities. I locked in family time so nothing could steal it. And I want to encourage you, whatever stage of family you're in, and I know there's some here who, who don't have kids, some never had kids, some uh, would like kids into the future, some haven't been able to have kids. I, I recognise there's all sorts of different families here, but I also recognise that God has placed you in your family, that there's a family of people he's put around you, and you can be intentional about having a Christ-like influence in whatever family God has placed you in. I want you to look at your calendar and say, am I prioritising time with my family to have a godly influence on those that God has placed around me? Check your calendar. If you've risen early and you've toiled late so that you have food to eat but you've got nothing left for anybody else, make a change before it's too late. Get your priorities in line with God's priorities, don't look back in regret and say it was all that hard work was in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders are wasting their time. For someone who loves doing practical things, for someone who actually likes working hard, these two statements have become very, very important to me. Wasting time with God is never wasted time. Say it with me. Wasting time with God is never wasted time because that is a priority of God. Another one that's become just as important to me, wasting time with my kids is never wasted time because that's one of God's priorities. Work hard at what matters most to God. Prioritise your time according to God's priorities. Secondly, Follow God's plan to build a godly family. None of us here who have built a house and discovered it's hard work just threw a whole bunch of timber and a whole bunch of money at a builder and said, hey, go knock yourself out, build me a home. Surprise me with what you come up with. I guarantee nobody in this room has ever done that because your house is important to you. You develop a plan so you know the shape it wants to take in the future, the shape that you want it to take in the future. 
It's the same with our finances. Many of us have a financial plan because we want our bank balance to have a certain shape in the future. Same with a career plan. We've got a career that we'd like to take a certain shape in the future. Some of us will have a fitness plan because we want our body to take a certain shape into the future. Why would we not do that with our family? When God has given us a plan so that our family takes a godly shape, into the future, your family is far more valuable than your house that will be outdated and need renovating in the time to come. One day you'll retire and your career will be behind you, but I guarantee when that happens, you'd still like your family next to you. And I guess there's some value in having a smoking hot body. I haven't discovered what it is yet. I think most of us, if you had a smoking hot body, you'd actually like someone to share it with. I want to encourage us to put the same time and energy into creating a family plan as we do for other important areas in our life. Now, when I say family planning, I'm not talking about what form of contraception you should use or how many kids you should have. That's not my concern for today. It's not my area of expertise. Tim will be happy to talk about that next week. In fact, we have a different Tim preaching next week. Tim Hanna, our former senior pastor, who had nine children, is preaching next week and has left a godly legacy in this place in more ways than one through his family and through his ministry here as a pastor for many years. It's going to be a great week. Make sure you drag your whole family along uh, to be part of that. But the question is, what do you want your family to look like in the future? What shape do you want your family to take? It doesn't happen by accident. You've got to make a plan. This is the kind of plan that God puts in Scripture. Let me just read a couple of these real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the Old Testament says, These commands I give you today, he's talking to parents, are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Very simple plan in a time before technology, in a time before the printing press. There's a very simple plan of how they were going to pass faith down to the next generation. It's not just in the Old Testament. Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament, Paul talking to the early church. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Chapter verse 4, hardest verse in the whole Bible for me to follow. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, even though it's a lot of fun. I love exasperating my children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. You know, this room we're sitting in today took this shape because in 1991, someone drew a plan going to come up on the screen. We're sitting in this room because someone used this plan I've got in my hands right now. They followed it and it took the shape that you're sitting in today. Just, just as an aside, who's here today and you were actually part 
of putting this building together, putting windows in and putting, uh, screwing the pews together, a whole bunch of different jobs. Just If you were here back then, early 90s, just stand to your feet. Come on, there's a few of you. Just put your hands together. Just thank these guys. They followed a plan and they worked hard and we get the reward. What if we wrote a simple plan for our family because we got a shape that we want it to take? Now this is the bit, I am just gonna talk to parents with school-aged kids for a moment, but the principles I'm talking about, they are transferable, doesn't matter what stage, what state of family you're in is right now. But let me just talk to school-aged parents for a little minute. Maybe a plan like this might help you. This is our family plan. As our kids were at school every day, Choose to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. Ephesians 4.32, it sat on our dining room wall for probably 12 years. We looked at it every night and we didn't always get it right, but we kept pointing to it and saying, hey, choose to be kind, choose to be compassionate. Let's choose to forgive one another in the same way that Jesus has forgiven us. I'm not saying it's gotta be everybody's family verse. I'm just saying... Have a, have a plan. Pray with your kids every night, even after it gets weird. This is one of my mistakes I'd love you to learn from. When my kids were younger, I would kneel down beside their bed, I'd hold them by the hand, and I'd put my hand on their head while they were going to sleep, and I'd pray for them. And somewhere in the midst of the prayer, every night, I would pray, God, I pray that they would know every day of their lives that you love them, that your grace is sufficient for them in every season of life that they would look to you and know that you are there and you are for them and you are with them and you'll never leave them. Prayed it every night for years and I'm very thankful that by and large I believe God has answered that prayer. That's, That's in my kid's heart. But I remember a time as the kids got older where it started to get a little bit weird to kneel beside their bed and hold their hand and put my hand on their head. And I gave up praying with them every night. I regret that now. I I wish I'd found a new way to do that in a new season. I'd kept up that discipline of praying with them every night. So simple. It actually doesn't take a lot of time or preparation. Pray with the kids every night. What's the next one? Eat at the, even when it gets weird, uh, eat at the table for as long as you can. I mean that in the immediate and the, and the kind of long term. You know, sit around your table as messy as it gets. Sit around that table and talk about what's going on in your life for as long as you can every night and do it for as long as you can as your kids are growing up because a day is coming when you won't be able to do it anymore. We're now at a stage as our family where we lock in Monday night for family dinner night where we used to sit around the table every night and now we get one night a week because our kids have grown up. They're independent. They're individuals and they've got their own lives. And so we get one night a week and I miss it. I miss the mess and the noise and the arguments 
And the fun, one day it'll be taken from you, so do it for as long as you possibly can. Devotions every Wednesday. I gotta say, we did this differently at different seasons. There were some seasons where we do devotions every night and we read a couple of minutes from a book. There was other seasons where I, in my wisdom, decided it'd be a good idea to prepare a 45-minute sermon to preach to my kids around the table. By the end of the sermon about the love of God, I'd confiscated every piece of electronic equipment that they owned, and then I had to say, Susan's iPhone off her because she was rolling her eyes at me when I got to my fourth point. (laughs) All I'm saying is, I know this is hard. This isn't easy and it's got to keep changing through the season. Just have a plan of how you're going to speak God's truth into the hearts of your kids in every season. Devotions every Wednesday, Friday night youth every Friday. Our, Our kids... Different ones loved this and others of them hated it at different seasons. But we didn't care. We stuck to our guns. And can I just say, one of the few things that makes me really cranky is when I hear parents using Kids Club or Friday Night Youth as a punishment against their kids' poor behaviour. If you don't clean your room, if you don't do this, you won't be able to go to youth on Friday night. Don't do that. Take everything else off them. Steal every piece of electronic equipment, every other privilege off them. Just don't punish them by saying you can't come to a place where you grow up with some other young people trying to work out what it means to follow Jesus. Friday night youth, every Friday. Pizza and play every Saturday for many, many years. If you're down at Wellington Point, you would have seen us. We bought three $5 pizzas from Domino's. We shared them between us. It doesn't have to be expensive. And then we played Tiggy around the grass on Wellington Point until Susan decided she didn't want to play Tiggy anymore. Worship every Sunday, a little bit similar to Friday night youth every Friday. Can I just say to everyone here and everyone online, however you're going to worship together as a family into the future... Be disciplined about it. Make a plan. You'll regret it one day if you don't. Love circle every birthday. It's very, very simple too. It doesn't cost anything, but I've done a lot of funerals. They had the privilege of burying a lot of people, but too often I heard families say, you know, I really love such and such, but I would never really told them, or I wish I'd told them more, or I wish I had the chance to tell them again. I decided that is never going to happen in my family. So every single birthday and every Father's Day and Mother's Day, which is even better, I get two turns, everybody around the table goes around the table and says, this is what we love about you. This is what we're so good about you. And we encourage them and just extravagantly praise them. We tell them how much we love them. We call it the love circle. Brilliant idea. Pick it up and use it. uh, I'm hoping, and I hope this doesn't happen for a long time, but I'm I'm hoping whenever uh, we have to face our funerals, there's nothing left to say. We said it all, told everyone constantly how much we love them. Lastly, family adventure every year. This is probably, I'm just going to talk specifically to people, you know, moving from that primary age to that high school age. You know, really, we just made a decision that we wanted our kids to love the adventure that we had as a family in a wholesome way. So as they were going to high school, It wasn't so tempting to have all sorts of adventures that weren't healthy and were unwholesome. 
And so sometimes this was very simple. We went camping in the middle of nowhere in a remote part of Australia with no showers and no toilets and we went on an adventure together and other times it was much more extravagant and we skied down the ski slopes of New Zealand but we made it a priority. Now I'm not saying this is the plan everybody should follow. I'm just trying to be practical and say it is a plan. If you want your family to have a godly shape into the future, read the scriptures and come up with a plan so that you don't get to the end of your parenting journey and say, that feels like it was all in vain. Lastly, you've got to prioritise your time according to God's priorities, follow God's plan to build a godly family. And lastly, is the really fun one. This is a challenge for every single one of us, whatever stage we're at in our family. Persevere through the pain to reap God's rewards. There's a word that we use today to describe, you know, broken and troubled, you know, homes today. We say they are dysfunctional. And it kind of leaves the impression that there are some families that are fully functional. Put your hand up if you're in one of those families. Fully functional. That's good, because if you were, then you could go and uh, have a burger early. There's only ever been one fully functional family in the history of mankind, Adam and Eve, and it didn't last very long. They had a perfect relationship with each other and with God. They were naked, they felt no shame, there was nothing hidden, there was no sin that had bent them out of shape. didn't last very long, because once they sinned, Once they disobeyed God, their family got bent out of shape pretty quickly, and it's a pretty sad story. Sin's bent all of our families, all of our relationships out of shape. Everything's not as it should be. There's restoration. There's there's renovation. There's, There's improvements that God wants to make so that takes a godly shape and if you've ever here, if you maybe have not built a house from scratch, you might have renovated a house there's things that you know are true, it takes longer than you planned, it costs more than you estimated and it gets messier than you anticipated it's true in renovating houses, it's also true in seeing healing and restoration and renovation come to families, it'll take longer than you planned, it'll cost more than you estimated and it could get messier than you anticipated. It won't be easy. But with God's help, there is hope for healing and for restoration. You know, God saw the mess that our relationships, our families were in, and he took the initiative. He was the one that took the step to bring restoration. It was such a priority to him that he planned it before the beginning you know, of our human existence. He sent his son to die on a cross to actually take the punishment, to take the consequences of our sin, to take what separated us from a perfect relationship with God, brought us into relationship with him and gave us his power to actually see restoration and reconciliation happen in our relationships with one another. In Hebrews, it says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. 
He persevered through the pain because he knew there was a reward. And this is good news and bad news here today. If you actually want to see the reward of healing and restoration in your family, of your family taking a godly shape into the future, you're going to have to persevere through some pain. Someone is going to have to choose to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to see that healing happen. That is the pathway to healing and restoration, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to be the one that takes the step to be kind, that takes the step to be compassionate, that takes the step to forgive, to be the one that says, you know, there's a mess here and we need to follow Jesus' ways of wisdom. It's going to take someone and it's not always going to feel fair. Some of you are sitting here today and going, there is some pain in my family. There is some restoration that needs to happen in some relationships around me. And it doesn't seem fair that I should be the one that has to take the step. And it's not fair. And it wasn't fair for Jesus. But if you want to see that healing and restoration come, and it is possible, then someone's going to have to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. To be the one to choose kindness, to choose compassion, to choose forgiveness, to choose wisdom. And it probably will take longer than you planned. It will cost more than you estimated. And it might get messier than you anticipated. But there is a reward. There is hope for the future. In this psalm, let me read the words again at the end. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Kids and families are not our only reward from him, but they are one reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, a children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. He's saying kids are a reward from God. Godly families are a reward. You will never be standing alone. You'll stand together in battle. You know, when your dad, you know, goes up to court and he's unfairly tried, he won't stand alone. You'll stand together, you'll go and defend one another in court. Godly families are a reward from God. But it takes time. It takes planning. It takes perseverance. But there will be a reward. We receive the greatest rewards when we work hard at what matters the most to God. And I'm here today to say your family, whatever stage and whatever state it's in, matters to God. You know, Psalm 27 is actually one of 15 psalms of ascent. It's 15 psalms that they would actually sing as they stepped up the mountain to go to God's house to worship him. You see, the temple... It was built on top of the mountain and the people lived in terraces, you know, down the mountain and into the valleys and different feasts and different festivals, they'd come together and wherever they lived, whatever was going on in their homes and in their families, they'd step out of their homes 
and they begin to step up and walk up the mountain to worship God in his house. And this is one of the psalms that they would sing as they would do it. And they would declare the truths that God had given them. And as they're stepping up, they'd have their moments of repentance. They'd have their moments where they're going, my priorities have got out of whack. Moments where they'd say, I haven't been following God's plan in my family. Moments where they'd be reminded that if we're going to see the Lord build our house, we've got to follow the master builder's plans. And as they stepped up the mountain, they declared these truths. They'd repent. They'd get their heart right as they went to worship God. And I just wonder whether some of us, it's that kind of day today. It's that kind of day that where God's calling us to step up. And I actually don't mean just, you know, pull your socks up and get on with it. That's never what God called people to do. See, what they do is they stepped up. They'd actually recognise, oh, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labour in vain, oh, I've just been toiling away, doing my own thing, and I've forgotten you, God. God, I come back to that place of dependence on you. God, I need you. God, get my heart right. God, pour out a blessing on my family. God, help me to get my priorities right. It was never just a pull your socks up kind of moment. But as they stepped up, they declare their dependence once again on God and they get their hearts right before God. And I just wonder whether for some of us today, it's one of those kind of moments. I don't want anyone to feel condemnation here today. I know it's easy when you're talking about families to, to feel condemned. We're doing this series because, you know, we, we, we want to learn from wisdom and learn from mistakes. And we've all made mistakes. I've shared a couple of mine. I've shared some simple ones that I'm happy to share with the whole world with our online audience. I've made many others. No condemnation here today. It's coming back to God and say, God, I need you. God, I want to see prodigals come home. God, I want to see relationships restored. God, I want to love my wife like Christ loved the church. God, I want to waste time with my kids. God, would you help me today? We're going to sing a song written, as I said, by a 19-year-old down at Ormo Campus. Great song. Just saying, God, I need you. All I need is you. I'm going to have a whole bunch of these milk crates out the front. Brad and the team are going to bring them out now. And I'm going to actually encourage you today to literally step up. Today you'd say, hey God, I, there's some stuff I need you to do in my family. Just choose to step up. Say, God, have your way in me. Do in me. Help me to be the one that follows in your footsteps and brings restoration and healing to our family. There's a whole bunch of these milk crates down the front. Can I encourage they are strong and sturdy, but if you're wearing high heels, just slip them off first. And uh, you can come down the front here.
And you might be on your own here today. You might be uh, with your uh, spouse. You might be a whole family here today. It doesn't matter. Just whatever stage, whatever state of family you're in, I'm just going to ask you to come and step up. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need you in this season of family. Let's pray. God, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you never condemn, but you always give hope. God, today I pray that as we, as we finish in prayer together today, you'll be filling hearts with hope. God, give us wisdom and strength. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand together. The team are just going to sing just a verse and a chorus of this song. I just want to encourage you today. If today's your day, come on, let's stand. Uh, if today is your day to step up and say, Jesus, come. Do your work in my family that only you can do. Do it in me. Help me to follow in your footsteps. Come and just step up. And I'm going to pray for you all in a minute. All right? Just come now. You're not going to have too long. You're going to have about a minute. So come when you're ready. Take a step up. you just just come just uh just step up i'm going to pray for you in a very short moment okay you can you can see those that are standing uh up here today why don't you just come if you're on our prayer team or you just love these guys and you know these guys and you want to stand around them just come and do that right now. Don't leave them on their own. I'm going to pray for them while they're standing on their crate and then I'll let them jump down and you can pray for them while they're standing on the ground. Come on, just come and gather around these guys. Let's pray a blessing over them today. Just let, just let the, the blessing of God, the compassion of God rise in your heart while I pray so that when they step down in a minute, you just got a prayer in your heart ready to pray over them. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for every family represented here. 
God, I thank you that you see them. You're the God who sees. You sees what is you see what is going on in their heart. God, you see what is going on in their home. God, you see, God, nothing is hidden from you. And God, you have hope for every single one of them. God, your your truth is a truth that sets us free. And God, today I pray that you, they would know more than anything, they'd know your compassion. They'd know your kindness. They would know that you are for them, that you'll never let them go, that you're going to walk with them every step of the way. God, you'll always be there to guide them. In Proverbs 3, I think it, it talks about, you know, wisdom taking us by the hand, holding on to wisdom and leading us down a path that brings shalom, that brings peace. And God, I pray for every family here that you'd help us to take wisdom by the hand and that you would bring shalom, you would bring peace, you would bring wholeness. God, you would would bring a peace that passes understanding. God, you would bring restoration of relationships. God, you would bring joy and love and peace into families. God, I pray for perseverance. God, I pray for wisdom. God, I pray for kindness. And God, I pray for some here who have been badly hurt. There is a pain in their heart. God, today, would you give them the strength to forgive? I know it's not easy. God knows it's not easy. But God, today, would you give them strength to forgive? Pray in Jesus' name. Pray a blessing on every family here. Hey, I just encourage you, just just step down for a moment. Just let the people around you begin to pray for you. I reckon there's some of them who've just got a prayer in their heart. Come on, just gather around. Just before we sing out this song, come on, whole church family, just begin to pray. You might not know the people down here. Don't get lazy now. Just begin to focus your eyes on someone and just begin to pray for them, just in your heart. You might wanna reach out a hand. Just begin to pray blessing over these families. You might wanna hold on to your family standing with you. If you're online, just grab hold of your family right now that might be with you. Begin to pray. Come on, let's just begin, just pray. Just lift up. Lift up families of all stages, families in all different states and pray that God would pour out blessing today. There would be shalom. There would be peace. Forgiveness would flow. Come on, keep praying. God, you're so kind. You're so wonderful. healing what is broken God you can put together in wonderful ways you're able to work all things together for your good God just put hope in our hearts today come and continue to pray as we sing out the words of this song
today that God has everything that we need in every season for a life of godliness, a life of following Him. He wants to help you. Sometimes we just got to make sure we're putting up our hand and saying we need help. I want to say, don't, don't let this series pass and not take the opportunity to put your hand up and say, I need help. And it might be coming down the front here for prayer. If that's not right for you in this season, get into a life group and say, hey, I need some help in this season. Maybe just find one other family, one other person that you can say, hey, I need some help in this season. Maybe just going to our counselling centre and putting up your hand and saying, I need some help in this season. Don't do it alone. We're never supposed to do it alone. We're called to be a family. Cares for one another, encourages one another, spurs one another on. Lots of different ways that we can do that. It actually starts in a place of humility and saying, hey, I need some help in this season. God bless you. Go and bless our uh, Gateway Beyond workers today. Buy up big out at the cupcake and the barbecue store. Be back here. Bring, bring your grandparents, bring your grandkids. Celebrating Grandparents Day next week. God bless. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.